what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am one of the two Brothers in Tech you'll be hearing from in this uh, discussion. With me, as always, has been has my constant mainstay since episode one, the I'm other still, brother in tech. I'm still your brother. I'm still your brother. And you're still my brother, yeah. uh, running on since forever. Um, Birth, my yeah. brother. <laughs> My brother, Brian Jackson, on the other end of the country, Skyping and Zooming with me here to talk technology. How you doing, Brian? Good. Good, Alan. I'm uh, very happy to be here as your brother today and, and every day. So every day. How, yeah, how are things for you? Uh, things are good. Things are good. You know, we're... Uh, we got the, the 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 school starting back up around here. We're kind of mm-hmm. here at the end of the summer at the time of recording this, and uh, you know, just some interesting times. Got us got one son going off to college, one son going off to high school. So it's a uh, interesting, fun times. Yeah, but, it seems uh, like it seems like a time where uh, technology is going to going to be a premium uh, for a number of the school features these days. It, it has been, you know, I, I do encourage people. Uh, to go back and listen to one of our back episodes where we talk about working from home because many of those same tips and tricks are going to apply to people, kids who are now going to have to do schooling from home, which yep. I know is the case yep. for many places. So having a lot of that same, uh, those same tips and strategies that we talk about for working from home are going to apply for education at home as well. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is an interesting time to look at technology and how it's factoring into our lives a little differently than before. This topic, Brian, we've been talking about the last several weeks, it doesn't really have a lot to do with school and education this time of year, but still something, uh, you know, I did have a conversation even with my son this week as he's prepping to go to college and he is a photographer and he's was asking a lot of questions about now him kind of managing his photos and, and, and other ways to do it even while he's away. So I made the little connection there, Brian. I'm yeah, kind of, look at that. I'm kind of tying it into today's topic a little bit more, as we are going to talk about photo management, digital photo management. Uh, we've been talking the last what three weeks about digital yeah. photography in general. We talked about uh, mobile phone photography. We talked about DSLR, more traditional phone camera or uh, camera photography. Mm -hmm. Today, we are talking about uh, what happens next. You've taken some great photos. You've got your either your your camera phone or your DSLR. You've taken some wonderful photos. What do you do with them next? How do you manage them? How do you how do you share them? How do you edit them? What do you do with those photos uh, uh, to, to make use of them? Yeah, uh, to make the best yeah. use of them. So all all forms of management, right? You've you've done a good job by taking your equipment and getting the picture. Now, what do you do with it? So this is, uh, I think, this is interesting because uh, I know a lot of people that love taking photos, but don't necessarily like all the management that goes along with it, right? That that part's like, oh yeah, I took the photos, and that was fun, right? And they well, certainly would like to use those photos, but it becomes tedious sometimes uh, for the post-processing of that. Well, and I'll tell you, that agreed, you know, and, and 
for better or for worse, you know, having those of us that take uh, our photos on our camera phones, mm-hmm. it does make it pretty easy with it. Yeah. The camera phone yeah. and the phone itself kind of does a decent job of organizing those photos. If that's our only place we're taking photos, then they're all kind of organized there and they're all, they're all in one place on that mobile phone app and, you know, it kind of handles it for us. The problem becomes um, when you've got multiple people that you need to have access to pho- photos or you've got multiple devices that are going to be taking photos right. and you're having to bring stuff together. So Brian, for example, in your situation, as we referred to in our last episode, you do a lot of shooting on your DSLR, mm-hmm. but you also shoot on your phone when it's yep. available. So yep. you've got two places where photos are coming together. And I will just tell you, because I've been there and I know it can be a little bit of a challenge if you don't have a really nice way of bringing them all together, organizing them. Cause then you just having to constantly figure out where did I take that photo? What device yep. is it on? Yep. Who's got it. Right. And so. I think especially when, uh, the DSLR photos, we talked about last time, how learning to shoot in raw f- format, which brings in lots of information and is a much bigger file to be able to use. You know, if I've got my DSLR photos that are going to be coming in raw, but I've got my iPhone photos that are going to come in already processed and trying to keep those separate and trying to figure out which one's which. And, you know, they may may go into the same management software, but one's coming from an SD card. Another one's coming from a, you know, a a Wi-Fi backup and all these different things are happening. So, yeah, it becomes becomes a challenge. And now we'll say if you're if you're like me and you like to keep those things completely separate, I mentioned before, like I, I like to treat my mobile photography pretty much as my memories. And I like mm-hmm. to treat my DSLR as my, you know, as more art, right. It's like trying to create photos, something, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes it's nice to keep them separate, but when it comes to management, um, you really have to put a lot of thought into how that, yeah. how that is going to work. So, so this will be good, you know, it'd be good for us to kind of chat through some of the, the key factors to keep in mind as you are managing, uh, your, uh, your photos. And then, you know, and I think talking about people that want to take a little further with editing and how that may, you know, work into this whole process. So this, this should be a good, uh, a good topic for people. Good. Well, we are good. This is our deep dive episode. It's our third deep dive episode on photo manage on uh, digital photography in general. And, uh, you know, just as a reminder, this show, this, this whole reason Brian and I get together and talk like we do, uh, Brothers in Tech is we're here to just kind of serve as any form of educational resource we can for people when talking about technology, especially technology that is really more home, family focused, yeah. more personal focused. Consumer, I'm not gonna consumer dig, focused. Not yeah. going to dig a lot into a lot of a business uh, technology application or commercial application. It's really more personal application of technology. And we know that, again, as I say every time, there, there are some of you out there listening that are the ones that get the phone calls uh, throughout the week or weekends or evenings that you're needing to help a family member with their technology because they're, they're not sure how to make it work. And uh, we, we've been there. We've, we've done that. We, 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 <laughs> we, we experienced that. So if we can be a resource to any of you out there or maybe to those of you that want to stop calling somebody else in your family for IT help, that's why we're here. That's why the brothers in tech exist. All right. So Brian, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Deep dive into photo management, digital photo management specifically. So 
we already kind of set up the, the, the premise a little bit. You know, we've got either mobile phones or we've got some more professional uh, cameras that are here to take photos for us. And we are snapping yep. photos or grabbing photos at different places. We're happy with the photos we're getting. We like what we've learned how to shoot. So now what do we do with them? Uh, where do we go next? So let's kind of take it from the two paths because I think what you would do if you were shooting on your mobile phone versus if you were shooting with a DSLR camera are going to be a little different when we start out. So yeah. let me, let me ask you, Brian, kind of what's your, what's your typical process? You've shot some on your DSLR, you've shot some on your mobile phone. What, what do you do first uh, when trying to work on organizing those? Yeah. So I'll, I'll take my DSLR first and say, so when I, the, the difference with that type of camera, right. And any sort of, I guess you would just call it a camera only uh, equipment is that you're going to be shooting to its internal memory, which happens yeah. to be probably an SD card, um, some sort of uh, flash memory that's in it. And so what I'll do is I'll I'll shoot on camera. Uh, I will say for those that are kind of looking at increasing or going to a higher level of DSLR or to a, a higher level of camera, a lot of those even will have two cards in them. So the new camera that I have now, it's the first time I've had two cards. And of course, you get to tell it inside the system, say, well, what do you want to use the first card for? Or what do you want to use the second card for? And so do you want to do you want to duplicate your pictures on both? And of course, for anybody who's doing photography and wants to to make sure that you don't lose your photos, right, it's maybe nice to have a backup and then you got two cards. But it could also say, you know, save the JPEG version on the first card and save the raw version on the second card. So maybe that's my large one. But what I have to do at that point is I have to find a way to get it <clears throat> from the camera or from that uh, SD card into uh, my computer. And um, so I have a little SD card reader uh, that plugs into my uh, computer. I'll take the card out, plug it into the, the reader, and then I have it go straight into uh, the, um, the built-in photo management software, which is Photos on a, on a Mac. So I'll have it kind of pull it into photos. Um, and if I'm smart at that point, I'll go ahead and create a little folder of what that import was. Okay, this was from, you know, the wetlands pictures. And so that I know later how to search through them a little bit clearer. So, so you are kind of bringing them into your, your Mac yeah. computer as kind of your... That's my hub. hub. Yeah, that's where, okay. that's where they're going to go in order to back up. And when that happens, well, when I know they're over yeah. there then I'm going to go back and delete everything from my SD cards um, so that I can start fresh again because they do take a lot of space. Well, that does kind of lead to the very first kind of tip or thing we would say that I really recommend everybody have is if you are serious about wanting to really manage your photos and use them and, and organize them and be able to share them more effectively, having a centralized hub, having your yeah. one location where this is where all my photos are going to go. Um, they may still sit on those those cards that are in your 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 camera for a while. That's fine. Uh, they may still sit on your phone as backups for too. Mm -hmm. But overall, if your goal is to get them into one place, I think having a centralized hub, whether it's a program, or let's say you're someone that doesn't really you know want to use a particular program, you just want to bring all your photos into your computer and organize them by 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 folders. You could do that as well. But you need to have that one location kind of determined. Yep. Because the problem is, otherwise, you're going to have cameras floating or photos floating in all different places. You're going to have some on your camera. You're going to have some maybe in this 
uh, downloads folder. You'll have some maybe online and just, you need to have that centralized hub of figuring out where all your photos are going to live so you can work with them and decide how you want to use them. Um, now phones make it a little easier. You know, I'm someone, I shoot everything on my phone. So they, I've got it set to automatically sync up with my computer. So yeah. when I open up the photos app on my computer, all of my mobile phones, uh, camera, uh, camera phones are already, all the photos are showing up automatically. So I don't have to do anything. That's using the iCloud service to say, I want to keep everything synced. And it's nice. I don't have to worry about hooking up my phone to my computer or doing any kind of manual transfer. Now, if you don't want to use a syncing service like iCloud, then you still can connect your phone to your computer. And both Mac and Windows have built-in photo programs that will let you import your photos automatically into a, a, a nice little organization application, right? Brian, you and I have used photos on the Mac. You know, it's a standard program. It comes with every Mac computer you buy. And it's a good program. It's gone through some iterations. Uh, used to be called iPhoto. Now it's just called Photos for Mac. But it's a good, it's a good organization app. I, I'm, I'm happy with it in, ter- in general as far as just organizing my photos. Yep. Um, yep. No, it does. It does what it's supposed to do. Using it. Yeah. Yeah. it does what it's supposed to do, and it's starting to get, to get um, some better automated features, which I think for most people that want to use memories and family type pictures is really good. You know, face recognition, right? You import your photos from your phone and it goes through and says, Hey, tell me, tell me who this is. And once I tell it, well, that's, that's Alan, it'll search through all my photos and say, well, I think we found several that look like that. Are these all Alan? So I'll, all of a sudden, if I want to say, show me the pictures of Alan, it's already determined what those are. I didn't have to go through all my pictures and tell it who people were. You only have to do usually a sample of those things. Um, so I think or those... it could say, or it could be really smart and say, huh, it doesn't really look like you have any photos of Alan. Are, do you like your brother, Alan? Why do you not have more photos of Alan? You should really take more photos of Alan and have them on your computer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Siri, let's, let's pretend like it's Siri talking to us that mm-hmm. says, so last time, last week, you came in and deleted all your photos of Alan and cut cut him out on every photo. <laughs> Are you sure you want to import this photo of Alan? Because you seem pretty adamant about deleting all other versions of it. <laughs> yeah. Would you like me to automatically delete any photo that comes into your system that has Alan in it? Because that seems to be yeah. your, your MO. Uh, <laughs> but I do like that, you know, it used to be iPhotos or iPhoto um, and some of the built-in apps were pretty much, they'd suck, they'd suck the photos in whenever you've got them there. And then you were up, to, it was up to you to organize them, right? To yeah. say, well, I'm going to create folders, but it has done a good job now where it can kind of create folders for you or create categorizations for you or kind of uh, figure out ways. Oh, the other really, really nice part, I think, is that when you take it on your phone, your photos themselves are automatically going to have some meta tags on them, some things that are built into them, like this is where this was taken. Because obviously your phone is going to know where you are because it has GPS built in, whereas not all cameras will. I mean, more newer cameras will have some sort of GPS built into them so that you can know where this was taken. But I can't tell you how many times I've gone on long trips and brought in bunches of photos throughout the trips and figure, well, I'll go and edit them later. Yeah. And then trying to remember, well, where are the pictures from Montana? I don't know which ones are which. I don't know if this scene was from Idaho or Montana. And it's really nice when it has that uh, 
kind of those geo tags built into it. So, sure. Um, so I think there's a lot of a lot of nice things. I, I don't think for most people, ninety percent of them will not need any more than what's built into your computer to be able to do that. Yeah. And photos can edit. You can do some light editing on the photos. You can do yeah. some cropping. You can do some uh, renaming. You can do lots of things with that. Uh, that built in. Now I will say it gets to be a little problematic and we'll talk about this later. If you are moving up in software to do something for editing, like if you're going up to kind of a higher level software, then bringing it into photos initially, and then trying to get it over to this other software starts to Mm. duplicate efforts a lot. And you may change your system. You may say, well, when I put that DSLR card in, I don't want it to pull into photos because that's going to be redundant. I want it to go to this yeah. folder. And once it's in this folder, then I can use it in a different way. So sure. uh, if I know that I'm going good pictures that I want to use in Photoshop or Lightroom or something like that, I won't bring it into photos originally. I won't bring it into the the built-in software because it's just going to create duplicates uh, of things. So, so you're you're kind of saying you kind of pick one place that this is where I'm going to kind of organize my photos and this is yep. where I'm going to work with them. So I mean, again, you pick that hub, you pick that that software that's going to be your main management, and uh, just be wary of duplication of efforts because again, if you yep. are asked to bring in photos and import them into another program. That is eating up a lot of space on your computer. It's duplicating your copies of your photos on your computer. Uh, photos are getting larger in yeah. size because they're better quality. They're, they're the cameras that we're taking them on are higher higher resolution, higher pixels. So every photo you bring into your computer, you import in, is taking up room. And if you bring it in and import it into multiple programs in multiple places, you're just duplicating your your, your space requirements. Right. Um, and plus, it, it, for somebody like me, it drives me crazy knowing I've got multiple copies of the same photo yep. floating around yep. my computer somewhere. Uh, we'll we'll discuss that when we get to our brothers in tech suggestions at the end of the episode because I have a program that hopefully can help help fix some of that. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I think I think that's the key. Now, I, again, I'm I'm saying from my perspective, I think the Photos app, both on Windows and on Mac, the one that comes default with the operating systems, like you said, Brian. If you just want to bring your photos in and have a nice way of organizing them with categories and renaming them and uh, grouping them together or tagging them, these programs will do that. You don't need to go out and necessarily buy another program to manage your photos, but we do recommend getting them into a centralized location like one of these programs. These programs basically build a library for you. You have that library and every time you bring new photos in, it is adding them to that library of photos. And if that becomes your hub, then you at least know you've got everything in one place. You can work with them, you can edit them, and not have to worry about a lot of duplication running around. So, Alan, let's let's. It's probably a good time to mention. Um, so, you you use iCloud as a way of yeah. syncing across all your devices, right? So, what you're saying is, if you take, let's say, you take ten photos on your uh, iPhone that those same 10 photos are going to show up on your Mac when you pull up iPhotos later. Is it actually showing you the full, has it downloaded the full version of that photo or is it so, showing you a kind of a glimpse well, of it? Well, you have the option. You have the option to say, do I want to always download full resolution versions of the photos on my Mac or do I want to keep a low resolution like preview and only yep. download it if I click on it? 
that's the option I go with because and by, by downloading, you mean from iCloud because you take it on yep. your phone and it uploads it to iCloud and then you yep. can have access to that photo everywhere else. That's okay. correct. Okay. Uh, the iCloud storage, the iCloud account I have stores all my photos. My Mac on my computer is basically showing me all those photos in a nice organization. I can go through and organize them and manage them, but it has not downloaded the full resolution photos unless I tell it to. Yep. Okay. Now I so, think it tries to, I think it intelligently it will download ones that maybe I've used more recently or ones I, I access more often, but it's going to try to push up and get rid of those high quality ones on my computer. If it wants to help better manage my, my computer okay. space. That's yeah. kind of where I was going to, was going to get at because I think a lot of people take the pictures on their phone and even if they've set up to have it backed up somewhere else, they maybe don't recognize, well, what's happening on the phone? Am I losing that picture on the phone or is that picture on the phone always there? Is it taking up space on my phone? Cause of course, space on a phone, I think is at a premium, right? I mean, you know, we talked about before where I tend to buy the lowest amount of hard drive space on a phone as possible because I don't need it. I tend to put everything in the cloud and I don't want to keep things on my phone. So if you take, you know, those 10 photos and then it's going up to iCloud, saving them back to iCloud. Is your does your phone start to release space? Is it going I to so. okay? I so if you so. run out of space, I, it will yeah. start to delete those and only show you the the yeah, snapshots of what are in the when mm -hmm. iCloud. Okay. And again, yeah. that's another setting you can choose. So yeah. you have the option if you're doing a syncing with an iCloud service, you're able to say, Do I want to have full resolution versions on my phone? or on my computer, yep. or do I just want them to live in iCloud and I can just see low res versions on my phone, download them whenever I want to actually view them. Yeah. I, I think from a pure space management standpoint, that's the best approach to take. Um, although the purist out there will probably say, well, I want to have full resolution copies mm -hmm. of all my photos locally. And I get that. I, I try to go through a process every few months of like, you can actually tell it, I want to go ahead and download my entire photo library off of iCloud, like high resolution, yeah. all that. And then I'll offload them to an external drive and okay. save them. That way I just know that, look, iCloud, if all of Apple's servers blow up one day, let's say, <laughs> who knows? Um, I mean, heck, we had an earthquake in Hickory, North Carolina just a few days ago. So you know what? Anything's possible now, right now. 2020, All, I would not be surprised. Everything's, right? who knows? Anything's possible. Oh, Apple just blew up. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do now? Um, but uh, if that happens, it's nice knowing that you've got local copies of all your photos. So yeah. yes, I, I, I do think there's a logic behind saying I want to go through. And, and, and if you have the hard drive space, now you look, you've got a huge hard drive on your computer. You got plenty of storage space. You're like, you know what? Download them all. Get yeah. Download high quality versions onto my computer and still keep them synced up in the cloud. That's a perfect solution. You, you're always in, you're always set. But I know that's not always the case for everybody. So I just yeah. do say that, you know, I, I, like, I like having mine up in the cloud and knowing that I can access them from any of my devices. Um, but I do every few months try to do a full download of my photo library just to make sure I got them all. Yeah. So I'll give a, a, a slightly different alternative to that for those that yeah. uh, enjoy using Google or don't mind using Google. Um, my wife and I, we keep all of our photos on Google Photos. 
um, to Google Photos being part of that Google suite, right? Google Docs, uh, Google Sheets, Google um, uh, Drive, Google Photos. <clears throat> if you've got a Google account, which is free, <clears throat> you can also set it up so that if you were to what we do is each of our phones, we download, we have the Google Photos app on the phone and we have mm -hmm. both, we have a shared Google account, a home Google account. And mm -hmm. so when we open up that Google Photos app, what it does is it looks into my iPhone's uh, phone app, right? The, the uh, what'd you call that? The um, camera roll, right? It looks into mm -hmm. the camera roll and says, hey, I see you have a bunch of new photos since the last time you opened up this app. We're going to go ahead and suck all those up to Google so that you have them on our Google Photos. So our Google Photos actually includes everything we've taken in the last you know, 20 so, years. So both of you are synced up to the same account. So if Laura takes a photo, on, your, your wife takes a photo on her camera phone, yep. it yep. gets loaded up. If you take one, it gets loaded up. Yes. Yep. yep. And so we don't have to actually for the photos, we actually don't go back to from the phone. We don't go back to our computers with those. So if I looked on my my photos program on my computer, I'm actually only seeing the DSLR photos that I've taken. Those are the only ones I tend to pull in through the computer. Everything else goes from the phone straight to Google Photos. Now, if you like that, if you don't mind that, the beauty is if you're on internet somewhere else, we just, so Alan, if I came home and we were talking, you said, oh, you remember that trip that we took together? Uh, you know, the, the we had that great photo of blah, 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 to showing... I can pull up Google Photos, and as long as I'm on the internet, I'm pulling up the app and searching through all of my photos, mm -hmm. right? And every time that I do that and upload them, then I can go every week or so and just delete the photos from my phone that are in the camera roll. So my my the photos on my phone don't take up much space at all because I probably will only get in you know 50 of them before I clean them out because they've already been backed up. Do to you Google keep Photos. your camera roll clean on your yeah. mobile phone? Yeah. Once you know everything's already been synced up with, with your Google account. Right. So your Google right. account is your guys. That's my pure photo store. library for all like more just. Hey, just, just like iCloud is for you. Google yep. photos. Is that for me? Yep. Yep. And yep. so I can be on anyone's computer. I can go to your house and hop on your computer, log into Google and show you all my photos. <clears throat> so yeah. it's nice. I, I, and I'm not doing this as a, you know, com uh, we're trying to like one up each other here. Okay. Well, uh, we can, although, right, I, if you although I technically have no problem with that. Um, <clears throat> the iCloud service, you know, just again, mm -hmm. to kind of counter on that a little bit, you know, you can share, you know, you can go to iCloud.com, log into right. your account, and you can actually see all your photo library there online on a browser as well. So yeah. the idea of going to somebody's house and wanting to show your photos, you technically could do that as yep. well. Yep. There is one caveat with the photos for Mac that I is my biggest hang up with it right now that I, I don't like. And I will tell you, if any listener out there has fixed this or found a way to easily do this, I will be forever in your debt. Um, I have four members in my family that we all share a shared family iCloud account, okay? Which is great. I've got like a two terabyte storage on that iCloud uh, account. We all have our photos being synced up there. So I never have to worry about any anybody's photos not getting synced up or lost or, or not backed up. The problem is, I can't get to my wife's. She can't get to mine unless we have to go in and manually set up a shared album to do it, which hmm. it seems just like a little more ridiculous. I love the way that you described the Google one where you say, look, I got a family account. 
we want all of our photos to show up in the same library. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you take one, boom, it's there. Laura takes one, it shows up right next to it. Mm-hmm. We, the Apple Mac iCloud one does not do that. Um, yeah. I, when I go into iCloud, I see my, my, my footage, my photos, because I'm logging with my address. If my son goes in, logs in with his address, he's seeing his photos, but we don't have an option to say, look, I just want all of our photos to be together in a shared account and everybody sees everybody else's photos. That would be ideal, but I haven't figured out how to do that yet. So, so, but you can, you say you can manually do it. So if you went on yours and you highlighted a 20 of them, could you say, Mm-hmm. Share these I could, with the I can create a shared. I can create a shared folder, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit. This idea of sharing, yeah. you can do that. But again, I would love to be able to say, no, you know what? We're a family. Yeah. We are all on the same shared family iCloud account. So I want our shared iCloud photo library to be everybody's photos. So yeah. that way, if we go on a trip and all four of us are snapping photos, it's like boom, they're all collected. They're all there, like you and your wife have on your shared Google yeah. one. So. Anyway, other yeah, than that I, caveat, I'm, I'm happy with say, the iCloud the, situation. But. I can see the benefits of what your system does, though. Right now, if I had kids, I'm not quite sure I want all of their pictures <laughs> coming into my <laughs> my photo stream. My wife and I, you know, it's not a big deal because we're taking pictures pretty much of the same thing uh, on trips, whatever. We don't tend to do a ton of extra pictures um, that are uh, individual uh, individual importance. So we don't true. mind getting that. But it would be nice if it was easy to do. For example, it would be nice if on a, a photos you could log in, you could say, show me Alan's photos and that's what I'm seeing. Or show me my whole family's photos and you could see them one way or the other, right? See, that's, Rather than I think that's being more. Yeah. I would almost prefer more of that approach. And then maybe you just have an option of marking photos as private. Yep. on your own personal so they don't get shared with the rest of the family. Yeah. Anyway, yep. I'd love a little more flexibility on the sharing of photos because right now it is a, I got to create a shared album. I got to invite my other family members to have access to it. Yep. And I've got manually drop those photos in all the time. And if you're on a trip and you're just snapping photos everywhere, you know, it just seems like a lot of headache work to do. Yeah. Yep. Uh, everybody manually <laughs> would have to do that on their end. So anyway, we're getting off on a tangent, but that's, well, that's- but that's okay. Right? I do love the iCloud. I will say, Brian, just because of all the all the research I've done, and I think you the same way. I really do believe the two the two scenarios we're describing: the Google Photos using that as a shared platform, and the iCloud shared platform. I think are two of the best ways that if you have multiple people or multiple devices, and you're trying to get everything together into one place. Yep. You want everything to be in sync. Those are kind of the two best platforms I'm aware of right now to do that. Yeah. Um, yep. That are no, I think they're, ubiquitous. I think they're, they're available to a lot of people. Everybody's comfortable with the Apple or Google platform. So um, I think that's the way to go. Yep. So I would just say really quickly, Alan, it, th- you do need to think about this as a family. Here's the considerations, right? Because if we're going to talk about one-upping each other. Um, so Google is probably better if you have, let's say, a son or daughter that is on an Android and you're on an iPhone and you want multiple people having those photos saved in the same place. That Android, I mean, I I assume there's a workaround to try to get an Android to speak to iCloud, but I don't think it's easy, right? There are ways to do it, but you're right. It's not out of the box, ready to go, easy. Yeah. And the other thing to think about is, you know, iCloud costs money. But if you are an if you are an Apple only ecosystem, 
it works. It works really, really well. And uh, I mean, I, it's just seamless uh, as to what well, it does. Google is free, so I don't pay anything for Google. I don't pay anything to keep all of our photos in one place and have this service. We just have a free app that that uploads that. Um, and we use Google Drive to be able to save some backup uh, things. But you're you're limited, right, in that you are needing to be internet access all the time. And, uh, and of course, there's some people that have concerns with Google, right, having all of that personal information. But sure. yep. um, so those are really good ways to go, though. So if you want a free one, download Google Photos, even if you don't even if you continue to use photos and whatever else to back up a, a regular, you could pull up Google Photos and have it be a secondary cloud backup yeah. where it's always I've just back and I've done that in the past where I've just had the Google Photos app on my phone and say, look, you know, just for kicks, go ahead Keep and back top. it up to Google Photos as well. And that way I know I've already got it in two places online. Yep. So Brian, when you um when you are taking your DSLR photos yeah. off of your smart media cards, you're bringing them into your computer through your smart media reader, your smart card reader, um, do you manually have to upload them to your Google Photos or do you are you keeping those separate? So that's a good question. The uh, there, I haven't done it with photos. When it switched from iPhoto to photos, iPhotos used to, there used to be a way where you could pull up Google Photos on your computer and say, mm-hmm. okay, I want to sync with my iPhoto account. So every everything that's on iPhoto will automatically get pulled up just like it does on the phone. Uh, I don't know whether that can happen with photos now. I know it disabled it when I started using the new version um, of mm-hmm. iPhoto. Uh, but it used to be super easy that any photo that came into um, our iPhoto or any photo that was taken on our phones would automatically be copied up to, to Google Photos. We used to have mm-hmm. that feature. Um, mm-hmm. now I think I'd do it a little bit more manually, which might actually help with my DSLR stuff. Maybe I don't want those going to Google. Maybe I want to keep those separate just to be able to do, you know, uh, keep higher resolutions of those. Cause when it does go to Google, it's going to take a slightly condensed version of your photo. Yeah. You can tell it, keep the original, but it only allows you a certain amount of originals to go up there. It allows you as many as you want of the modified, which are still really, really good. If you're looking to... If you're looking to keep photos for memories, um, Google Photos does a great job and you don't have to worry so much about size. If you're looking yeah. to blow them up later and print them out, yeah, you probably want to be keeping the original versions, you know, on a hard drive or something. So, all right, well, let's, uh, so let's, let's, let's assume that, you know, the listener has said, all right, I, I know which platform I want to use or yeah. what program I want to use. I, we didn't even mention, but, you know, there is a, a kind of a step up type of software that you could try to use to manage your software or your photos. Let's say, let's say you want something a little bit more, uh, a little bit more professional, a little bit more full featured than just the built-in photos on your Mac or photos on windows. There are a lot of photo management applications out there, tons of them. Um, the one that I would say is probably the most that people are going to hear of or be familiar with would be Adobe's Lightroom. Mm-hmm. So Lightroom is a Adobe software, just like, Adobe does Photoshop and Premiere and a bunch of other programs. Lightroom is its photo management application. It is basically a, a, a higher, much higher level of what photos on the Mac or photos on Windows will do. It will allow you to import your photos in. It will allow you to manage and organize your photos. Uh, where Lightroom maybe goes a little bit above the photos uh, standard apps 
is it's got some higher level, um, some editing, some enhancing tools, some ways to really kind of clean up and work with your photos a little bit higher level. Uh, and some people just like the interface better and just feel like it's uh, it's going to preserve your original photos much, uh, really, really well. So, Brian, you use Lightroom. You had any experience with that? Yeah, I, I, I used Lightroom um, several years ago and was not willing at that point to pay for it. I was just doing a trial of it. Just recently, uh, and actually the last couple of weeks, I went back to Lightroom. And now that it's on a subscription service, um, which I'm not a huge fan of, but in something like photo editing, I think that's a good use of subscription-based um, because you know you're going to get an updated version. You know you're going to get new features. You know that uh, it usually has a cloud-based service that goes with it, which I think is is helpful with photos. So I am starting to use Lightroom again. Um, I think for someone that wants to edit their photos and uh, not necessarily be incredibly creative with their photos, but just make their photos look better and then organize them, Lightroom's a really good way to go. It's a, it's definitely a step up from what's built into your computer. Yeah. Um, and Adobe, of course, I don't think is running the risk of being out of business anytime soon. So I don't mind using software that I know is going to be around for a while. So. Well, and again, Adobe too, just as a little side tip. I mean, you know, the subscription model, I get why it, people are hesitant to want to go with that. And that's a little daunting to have to spend 20, 30, 40 bucks a month, whatever it may be based on what level you get. I think it's more of a question to me of are there, if Adobe has got multiple programs that you're going to use in that creative cloud suite, then it becomes really worth it. You know, it's just, if you're getting it for one program, uh, it might be a tough stretch. If you're using five of their programs on a regular basis, it's a much better deal. So it just kind of depends on that. I use Creative Cloud. It's open, like one of the Adobe apps is open on my computer every minute of every day. So whether it's Photoshop, whether it's anything else, uh, Illustrator, uh, Acrobat, whatever it may be. So it's a good situation for me. I still have not gotten in the Lightroom though. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Just never did. Um, Brian, when, when these, so regardless of the program you're going to use, let's talk about some things that just, we're talking about this pure management of photos, some tips and things that are, we really recommend people just keep in mind as they're trying to manage their photos, because let's say you've got your program, you got your system, you know how to bring the photos into these programs and you've got them all in one place. A couple of things that we've already hit on a little bit, uh, touched on, but I want to go a little more detail on about Mm -hmm. managing those photos. I assume, Brian, your equipment's the same way that, you know, when you take a photo on a DSLR camera or if we take one on a, on the iPhone or any other mobile phone, um, it, it gives the photo a very generic name, yeah. like title of the file, IMG underscore some number. Okay. Um, that's just an automatic naming convention that any, any device is going to take because it doesn't know what it's shooting. It's just taking a photo for you and assumes you're going to do something with it. It does make it a little tricky, you know, when you're trying to manage those um, because the the naming can be tough. And then there's also the whole organizing them, like you said, into groups or categories or events or folders. These programs are going to try to do as much of that for you automatically as they can if you let them. But, you know, we all know that it's not going to be perfect. So I do think there's a, a step, a process, and it is time intensive, but of organizing the photos after you bring them in making sure naming is good so you can search and find the photo you're looking for. You know, if you've got a great photo of a 
wonderful scenic shot that you took and you want to make sure you can always get and find it easy. Uh, don't try to memorize IMG underscore zero seven eight eight. I mean, it's not going to work. Give just rename it, name it best shot of the grand Canyon, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. Uh, in other words, naming is going to help you find photos is going to help you keep things organized a little better. Um, yeah. And I think um, this is one of the things that I do incredibly poorly. <laughs> I do not name my photos. I, do, I think uh, most people do. Yeah. Most people do. I tell you, I'm, I'm really, really good and almost anal about the fact that I have normal documents that I will, I will re rename everything. I, I purposely name oh, yeah. things. So when I save a document, it usually has the title of the document, the date, everything within the, the, the title the of same it, way. the phone yeah. or the, the pictures. I just don't do that well enough. Um, well, I think the problem with it is we're a, it's a visual medium. We feel like if we can open up our, our photo library and just look, we can find what we're looking yeah. for. Yeah. But again, if you're trying to do some searching, you know, it does make it tough for that one specific photo if you don't have some naming involved in it. Well, and I think now, it's, it's tougher, Alan, because, you know, previously to take photos, you had, what, 12, 24 pictures a roll, and you yeah. only had to sort through those and try to, when you see them, you sort through them initially. I mean, now we're, we have thousands and thousands of pictures, and we're taking oftentimes you know, 20, 30 times the number of pictures of the same scene that we were doing before. So I think it becomes uh, a, an issue of scale, you know, that we have so many, so many pictures there to deal with, um, which I know you're going to be giving, I think, a tip later to, to help with lots of photos and how to do some of these things. But I think, I think one of the things to keep in mind is if you are looking to get into the photography a little more and wanting to use some of those photos in the future, rather than just searching for, hey, what did I take back in the summer of 2012, but you wanted to find a location, you wanted to find a particular object, you know, getting into a, 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 some sort of system. Maybe the system is, you know, okay, I'm going to put a title that has four things in it, you know, the date, the, uh, the object, okay, this mountain you know, or Grand Canyon and, you know, maybe location, right? So maybe there's several things that just go in your title, you know, it's June, 2020 dash Grand Canyon dash uh, summer trip, you know, or something, yeah. something that, you know, if, if I'm looking for this picture in the future, this is, these are probably the things that I want to, you know, be searching for. And I think sure. you were going to suggest another way of doing that, right? The Meta tags maybe is another way of well, doing some. Yeah, of the so that yeah. that's the other that's the other side of the coin. There is that. Uh, yeah, so let's say you know, naming going through and naming each of your photos is just not your cup yep. of tea. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you did just download uh, eight hundred photos from a trip you just took, and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to name all those. So the great thing about digital photography these days is that you know when you take a photo, your camera device is recording some other data with that photo. It's called metadata. It is information that the camera is recording for you and kind of embedding into that photo. So it's information, uh, for example, I'm just going to, I'm just pulling up a photo right now in my photo uh, uh, application and I'm looking at the info of that photo. So all the information that got recorded from this metadata. And again, this, you can look at this in any of these photo management applications. It shows me, uh, it does show me the name of the file, which is IMG underscore zero three nine four. Mm, but then it says, hey, I, I took it on April 2nd, 2018 at 11, 17 a.m. I took it with my iPhone X. Um, it was using the front camera. 
Um, and I took it at the Grand Canyon National Park South Rim in Arizona. So all of that data was being recorded with that photo. Now, what's cool about that is that means that if I wanted to do a search in my photo program, I can search by some of that metadata and it is going to find it for me without me having to rename the file Grand Canyon 2018. It did it all for me. So uh, it even... <laughs> because I'm using the photos on the Mac and I think photos window will do some of the same thing. And I know light room will, it identified in the photo three of the four family members that I have in that my photo and shows them listed as people. So if I wanted to do a search for my wife, um, and type in her name as a search, it identified her in this particular photo. So this would be one of the photos it pulls up. So metadata has gotten a lot smarter, a lot more detailed than what it takes. Now on a mobile phone, you're going to get a lot of meta metadata because the phone knows exactly where you are. The phone knows exactly date and time. It knows all the specs. Brian on your DSLR, does it do any kind of location tagging or is it just date and time? No, I was actually going to say that that's the frustrating part is that, you know, I have a fairly decent level camera. It's not a, it's not a professional camera, but it's a, you know, in between, uh, it's certainly not a beginner uh, camera, but it doesn't have a, G, uh, a GPS built into it. So you have to do mm-hmm. kind of an extra sensor on the outside if you want that to happen, which is frustrating, right? I mean, you're taking photos with, you know, a high level camera, but yet uh, you have to tell it later where these things came from, um, which mm-hmm. I think is is a challenge. There are, as I said, little adapters, uh, even with some of the DSLRs that you can plug in, put on the the shoe on the top where your, uh, your flash is, and it will recognize and record that GPS, uh, data, but that's that's not built. So location, you know, it's probably one of the benefits of of going with mobile phone photography is that all that data is kind of being recorded for you. And it's nice. I mean, again, I just typed in Grand Canyon as my search term on my uh, photos Mac and here's, you know, 20 some photos plus uh, an event it collected of all the photos from that time period that are Grand Canyon photos. Um, yeah. So it does, it does help with that. Metadata is good. Plus metadata is great too. If I ever want to see like, okay, well, did I take that photo with my phone or did I import it from somewhere else? Or did somebody send it to me? The metadata shows you all of that. So you really get a lot of great information. And again, the more smart your camera is, the more metadata you're going to have recorded uh, with it. Yeah. So Alan, one of the things I, re- I really hope that our phones begin to do in the future, uh, this has kind of been a dream of mine, is that, you know, you mentioned all the metadata that's already there. You take a picture and you're getting the location and you're getting some sorts of post-processing that'll kind of pick out that, hey, this was, you know, uh, this was Alan, right? Because it has a mm-hmm. face recognition. You know, imagine, imagine in the future, it would be great if you, you know, you get to the Grand Canyon and you get to that place that you want to take a picture of a particular overlook. You pull your camera out, you take the picture. And as you take the picture, you say the keywords that you want to go along with that picture. So I'm taking the picture and I say, Grand Canyon, this is mile marker 24. This is, um, you know, I'm here with the entire family. Uh, We're on vacation, whatever. You say these things and then it starts to load those in as keywords. I think that would be incredibly intuitive and slick. You know, you, you could be looking at a, um, a historical marker and instead of having to take the picture like I tend to do of, of the marker itself to see later, who was this? Who was the statue of and what did this represent and why am I looking at this? 
Mm-hmm. You know, you could actually say some of those things, or maybe it would look in a database then if you said, you know, add web link for um, the Washington Monument, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing that whenever I see that picture, it would be hot to information about the Washington Monument too. So that's my hope, yeah. right? In the future, no, that I love that idea. I, I don't see how that, I don't see why that wouldn't be very, very possible, very yeah. soon yeah. and easy to do. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So let's say, you know, bringing the photos in, you're doing some organization with them, whether you're manually naming them and putting them into groups, or if you're um, uh, letting the program kind of do it for you, you know, whether I know Google does some great jobs with this too, where it'll kind of self-organize a lot of your photos for you or try to let you search by what it thinks the photo is about. So that's another great advantage on the Google photos. Uh, The Mac photos and Windows photos do not have that capability or are not that smart intelligent with it where I can't just type in the word dog and it just knows all the photos where it sees a dog in the photo. Google will do that. So that's another plus for the Google platform for using that, which is kind of cool as well. Um, Well, and and let me just one, one, I want to say that is a really cool feature. And if you, if you are someone who is okay with your photos getting searched by augmented reality or, you know, uh, uh, information that's kind of pulling in from the web and trying to sort through your photos. If you're okay with that, which I am uh, for most of my photos, uh, that's a really cool deal, right? You pull up Google photos. I'm always amazed. Actually, I pull up Google photos and I type in red and it will show me all the pictures that are predominantly red Uh, type in dog. It shows me all those that it thinks has a dog in the picture. That's incredibly cool for sorting through things. Like if you just can't remember, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm looking at mountain. It's one of the mountain pictures I have you know, type in mountain, but you also have to keep in mind the the security issue there. So Apple doesn't do it, but Apple also doesn't do it because in order to get all that information about your photos, it has to dig into your photos. It has to search, search your photos, right? Whereas iPhoto or photos uh, through Mac isn't necessarily doing as much searching through of your photos. It isn't doing as much security sharing across the web of what you have. Um, so you're not going to get as many of those cool little features, but, um, mm-hmm. but you do have a face recognition. I think face recognition is great for most people that are using it for memories. They want to yeah. see, show me a picture of my son, you know, and show me all those so I can sort through them. Or, you know, it's my, it's my mother's birthday. I need to post a picture of my, myself with my mom. So let me do a quick search of all my pictures of my mom, right? It's mm-hmm. super easy to do through iPhoto as well, anything that has face recognition. So I think part of of the beauty of the software is that it's automatically organizing and searching some of your pictures, makes finding those things a little easier. Um, The tags are going to help even more. And again, all of this is great because these are, you know, this is starting to happen with very easy, accessible programs, getting smarter, being able to find more creative ways to search for your photos and organize your photos without driving you crazy with naming or having to manually put them into a lot of folders and uh, manual organization. So some great tools. So Brian and I are saying, you know, I I use photos for the Mac. Brian uses Google photos as his kind of primary hub and both have some, some pros and maybe some cons with them, but overall both are great platforms to use for just organizing your photos. But then you've got Lightroom uh, and other photo apps that you could use if you want something a little more full featured. Little more, uh, little more features that you want to add to it, a little more capabilities. Um, what we're going to do, Brian, is let's take a quick little break. And when we come back, let's start talking about sharing, kind of 
what do we need to do about we got these photos, we've got them in our app and we're, we're organizing them. Now we want to start sharing them. What do we want to do with these photos? And then also editing them. So I want to make some changes to the photos. I want to enhance the photos. What do we do with this next step? We've got them organized. They look great. What do we do next? And that's what we're going to talk about right when we come back here, uh, take a quick break here on Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. We'll be back in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Brian and Alan Jackson with you here. We've been talking the first half of the show. We talked all about managing your photos using software to kind of manage your photos and some capabilities and tips that might help you keep all your photos in line and accessible to you. So now, Brian, let's assume we've got a great photo library. We've managed our photos. We know where everything is. Uh, We want to start sharing it. We want to start doing some things with these photos. So there's a lot of options you've got when you've used some of these standard programs for what you do with sharing but there's also different types of sharing that people may be looking yeah. to do. So let's kind of talk through some of those scenarios and see what we would do with that. So, Well, let's mention maybe the easiest of the sharing options, okay. Alan, uh, first, which would be most people are taking a picture and then sharing it via Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And a lot of those can happen through that app itself. So you know that already. You pull up Instagram app and you say, I want to share a photo and it says, well, let me look at your photo library, you know, on your phone, point to it. Great. Let's share that one. Put the filter on all that stuff. Right. So we know, and I think most people know how to do that. What, what we're going to talk about is what if you wanted to share it more directly, right? I wanted to share you, I wanted to share with you pictures from our family gathering. I wanted to share with my family. Um, but I don't necessarily want to put it on social media. Yeah, think, you don't want to post it up online and you also don't want to, yeah, I mean, well, okay, you can go the old-fashioned way and you can take find your photos somewhere on your computer, those files, and attach them to an email and send them out and all that. And it, I mean, that's not, it works, but it is a little more, a little more kludgy to do. Um, yeah, kludgy, a lot of these programs. There's some other problems with that, right? It used to be, that's, I mean, you're exactly right. That's exactly what you did is you would share it via email and say, attach these photos. And we all know the nightmare that that came with, which is everyone else had to download those photos in order to yeah. see them, which is taking space on their email. Then we got to the point where we're, we're texting those, right? I mean, that's pretty easy as I take a picture, I want to show you right away. I can text it to you, text it to the family. You all get it. That also, I think, creates its own issues in that the text has to be downloaded. So now all of a sudden you're creating, you're, you're loading up space on the person's phone that you're sending it to. Uh, and many of us don't understand how many, how much space our messages take up. But if you go and look That's in your lot. storage on your phone, you know, you could clean out all your photos like I do on my, my camera roll. But then all of a sudden I realize all those photos that everyone has been sending me to take a look yeah. at get downloaded. Right. So that's well, where plus, I think, I mean, if you have, if you have a hundred photos you want to send out from a trip, I mean, do you really want to send a text message with a hundred right. photos on it to share out either? So, right. yeah. so, so the, 
the beauty of this is there are ways in which you can say, I have these photos and I have them in a place that I will just give you access to them and let you go mm -hmm. see them, right? I can share them with you, but I'm not actually sending you anything except maybe a link to go and see them. So photos will do this. Uh, the the Microsoft-based photos app will do this. The um, Google photos will do this. All of them have this way of I have this online or I have this on the cloud and I'm going to give you access to be able to see it. And I yeah. think that's a really, really smart uh, way of doing it. So, you know, if I wanted to share just, you everything from yeah. my trip, you're right. I could just send you a link to my folder. I could share with you my folder and I don't have to send you anything uh, physical. So I know that the way this works, like in the photos program for the Mac, and I'm pretty, pretty sure on the windows as well. You can organize your photos and you can have a folder or an album or whatever they call it in that particular program, but a, an organization of a cluster of photos. And that's the thing that you would be sharing with other people, typically sharing with them by their email address or some other way. So like you said, it sends them that link and then that takes them to a page or a place where they could see all the photos. Now, the advantages here uh, of sharing it that way. Um, a, you're not physically sending them photos that they have to download and transmission speed and storage right. space and all that. Plus, it's true. Here's another advantage. If you made a change to a photo on your end, the original side, let's say you crop it. Let's say, oh, man, I forgot that I had this whole <laughs> person. I don't even know who they are on the side of the photo accidentally. I want to crop them out. If you do it at the original photo and you crop it and save it, then the people that you shared that photo with are going to get that updated version the next time they go in to view the photos. Yeah. So you can kind of make them more active. You can make them more photos that you're still working on or doing some things to, and you don't have to worry about sending out a whole nother copy of that photo to replace the old one. So yeah, it's that definitely some nice advantages to it. Dynamic versus static, right? You're not sending a static thing that doesn't change. You're sending a link to things that can constantly be updated and changed, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Same thing with sharing yeah. documents and all that, I think mm -hmm. is a really smart way of doing it. Um, well, anytime we can eliminate redundancy and files being out there in the ether, I think is, is great. And again, if you send out, if you have a chain of you know 20 family members and you send out 20 photos, you're sending out 400 photo copies out there. Right. And then right. if you may need to make a change to one of the photos or update a photo, you've got to resend it out to 20. They've got to, get rid of the old one and remember to replace it with them. It's just, that's not the way we need to be working. It needs to be a, Hey, here's a photo or folder. The next time you go, you're going to see the most recent photos I've added to that album. And yeah. uh, I mean, this is, this is where all, doing it. all the shared documents have started to be a really, yeah, really important thing, idea. right? Um, not yeah. sending updated versions, but you're seeing the natural version. I think now, um, Brian, can you, can you through a sharing process like that? Can you, can you allow users to make any modifications to the photos like other people? So like you actually collaborate with the photos. I don't think that's kind of a, I don't think that's anything right now. It's a feature for a lot of these more standard. Programs. You, you can, you can have someone edit the folder. So yeah. you could share a folder and say, this is our folder for these photos from this anniversary. You drop in photos. You can drop in photos that get shared with everybody. And they may be able to remove some of your photos if you provide true editing, but I don't know if you can actually take the photo and tweak That's it. That's a good question. I, course, I haven't really tried to worry about that, but, yeah. um, but of course you I can know duplicate. We have, yeah. Someone can we download. Have created, <laughs> sorry. 
you know, just, we're just so eager to talk, Brian. Um, (laughs) I do know after like family vacations, holiday trips, somebody will initiate, you know, Hey, I just put together a shared folder and here's all the photos I had from this trip. Anybody else can go in and upload their photos to that same album. And by doing that, you've essentially shared them with everybody that has access right. to that folder. Right. And that's just a great mechanic. Uh, that's a great way to, to build that system around that. Um, so, yeah. So I think, you know, you've got posting on social media, which you're not allowing anybody to do anything. They're not going to add their own photos to your, your online Facebook post. It's truly like, here's a photo. I just want to push it out there. I just want people to see it. But then the more slightly collaborating is, I'm going to create an album. I'm going to share it with a select group of people and I'm going to allow them to contribute photos to it as well. So you have a shared collection of that. So Alan, let me give one word of advice to people on this. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes they don't think, think this through. And I've, I've mistaken, I had mistakes on this before. So in a lot of these apps, uh, let's say I'm in Google and I say, I want to share this Google folder, right? This Google Photos folder with Alan and Mary Margaret and, you know, other people in my family. And I put each of their names in there. In order for that to share, what it does is it tends to send you an email, I think, right, Alan? It'll send you an email that says, hey, Brian shared this folder with you through Google, which means mm-hmm. you need to go view it through Google and your Google account. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that what if, Alan, what if I shared it with you and then you said, oh my gosh, I've got a friend who would love to see these pictures. You can't then go and share it with them because it's only been shared with you and your account, right? So uh, a quick example, uh, our, our dad, you know, we mentioned has been taking pictures of some collectibles that he's thinking of selling. So he wanted to have a nice photo library of these collectibles and share them with these people who might want to buy them. And he was saying, well, what if I just share it with that one person? The problem with that is you share it with that store owner. The store owner says, well, I've got my appraiser that needs to see this. That store owner can't share it with the appraiser unless you set it up as a general share link, like a public share link. And so there are differences to keep in mind when you want to share something, figure out who do you want to share it with and do you want it to be shareable by the person you share it with, uh, right? right? Yeah. So if I share it with you, do I want you to be able to then share it with someone else? And if so, then I need to make this link just a yeah. general link that be given to multiple people. But if not, if Agreed. I just want you to see it, I can share it with you as a person and then it makes, well, uh, makes it work. And let me add one more even little caveat to that as well that I get tripped up on a lot of times. Uh, if you're someone like me that has six different email addresses. Yep. Um, if you send a, if you send me a link and say, Hey, uh, go ahead and, um, access this on your, here's a Google link to go to, uh, and they share it with that. But, but I try to go to it from a different email account and, or I'm logged in as a different Google user. It can cause some issues. So just be mindful of the email address you're using to share with people and what accounts they're going to need to have to get to it. Uh, and then, like you said, the whole, can they share with others? Is it a open public link or is it a private to only the people you invited? So right. yeah, good right. calls on that for yeah. sure. You know, if you're, if you're going to go to a, if you're going to have a birthday party for someone in your family and you're inviting a lot of people, 
And instead of saying, hey, by the way, send me all your pictures that you take from my kid's birthday party so I can put them all together. Really cool thing is to open up a shared a shared photos album and then, you know, at the parties, give little cards out like we did it in our anniversary for our parents. We gave little cards out that had a link. And on that link, it was a general shared folder, which means anybody could have thrown images up there. Now, what's the downside? Someone hands that card to someone else that wasn't at the party who decides to go in and drop lots of really horrible pictures on there, right? It's open. It's open for people to do that. But this is a great way for them not to have to send you by email, which I know is always a hassle, right? Hey, send me all those pictures and I'll try to put them all together and then post them all for everyone that was there. Let people drop them on automatically. I think it's a it's a really cool um, feature that can be used if you understand the sharing settings and if you figure yeah. those things out in advance. So, good point. And, they all and do you that. know, just like just like sharing from your phone, as easy as that was, if you're using a standard kind of photo management app, photo on photos on Mac, photos for Windows, uh, Lightroom, any of the ones we've talked about, they all have this sharing capability, and most yeah. of them will connect really nicely to even those social media channels. So if you are just going to share to Facebook, you can do it from your computer uh, photo management application, just like you can on your mobile device. So sharing is great. I tell you, it used to be a lot harder. I used to remember it was always having to export a photo out of your photo library and then going and putting it somewhere. Now it's just so nice to know that I can just share from within these programs and not have to worry about it. So yeah, um, of course, the sharing way is easier. The only way this can happen is if you allow your photos to be on the cloud, right? True. That's right. Yep. You I have, mean, you're right. You because yeah, I if you have a local, if you have a local uh, photo library that is not in any way synced to the cloud, you're not sharing. It's a little more. Uh, it's a little more of a, 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 a little more of a situation yeah, to get your stuff up on the shared that it's way. Not, not the way you want it to yeah. be done. You don't want people accessing your computer. So um, yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. So let, let's talk about kind of the final step, I guess we would say, with kind of managing our photos. Brian, we've talked about kind of managing them, organizing them. We've talked about sharing them. But let's say we really want to do some creative work with our photos. We want to do some editing. Um, there is software that can allow us to edit our photos. and but But there are different levels of editing. Brian, you want to talk us through kind of what kind of the two camps of editing you may do, people may find themselves wanting to do with their photos. Yeah. So you and I, you and I would chat about this before and we, we thought it'd be helpful to say, if you're going to edit your photos, there seems to be kind of two ways that you could approach this. One is, okay, I took this picture and I had hoped it would look this way. I either underexposed it, overexposed it. And now I want to go back and tweak so that it looks more like what I had wanted it to look, or it looks cleaner or it looks uh, more vibrant. So what you're doing, you're just saying, I want, I want my photo to stay the same, what I took, but I want the way in which it's showing that information to be different. So that would be like saying, I, you know, the art is what the photo happens to be, what I took, and now I need to clean it up and make it look a little better. Those are things that you can do. Yeah, well, you can do it with your Photos app. You can do it with your your built-in app. You can go and say, I'm going to change the exposure. I'm going to make it brighter. I'm going to change the contrast. I'm going to change the colors a little bit. But what you're not doing is you're not kind of changing the picture itself. You're not going in and saying, you know what? 
there's that person in the in this picture and I want to remove that person. Or I I had a friend who wasn't able to make this trip. Let me add them in, right? You're not you're not doing you're not changing what the image was yeah. supposed to be. So that's kind of the first levels, right? Is enhancing your photos. The other yeah. level might be changing your photos and wanting to be creative, right? So the first step you can do it with your your photos app. You can do it with Lightroom obviously is pretty good at that. It's kind of one of the gold standards, right? Lightroom gives you lots of options to enhance your photo and make your photo look better. Um, you know, I'll briefly say what make for me, what makes uh, a an app like Lightroom different than just using photos, you know, what comes on your your computer would be the ability to tweak parts of a photo rather than the whole photo, right? Mm. That's to me, it's the biggest thing. So let's say I take a picture, Alan, of a, uh, of a bird in flight, right? The bird that's passing through and I've got the, the blue sky back behind it, what looks great. But, but the way that the sun was highlighting the bird, I'm not really seeing the feathers. So I get kind of like a, a shadow, dark looking bird where I know that there's some detail there I want to get to. Well, if you brighten the whole picture, well, now that blue background, it's going to be way too bright just mm -hmm. so that you can see the elements of the bird. Mm -hmm. Well, things like Lightroom allow you to go and point to the bird or shadow the bird and say, now I want to only mess with that part of the picture. I want to brighten that part or I want to crank up the contrast on that part, but not everything else. So that's what I think is a really important piece when you want to tweak part of your photo, but not all of it. Um, yeah. That's where something like Lightroom can really be effective, allow you to do kind of um, brushing options. So would it be kind of smart to say then, Brian, if, if you if you feel like you are going to be a photographer that is going to want to really do a lot more hands-on adjusting of your photos, working with specific areas of your photos, working with a lot of different options on enhancing your photo, mm -hmm. it might make best sense if you look into a program like Lightroom by yeah. Adobe. Yep. And let that be your photo library hub. Because right. then they're all going to come into one place. Lightroom's going to organize your photos and you have the capabilities of doing some of the higher end editing on them that you want to do. Agreed. Yes. Otherwise, you bring them into your other photos app, like your photos for Mac app. You're just going to have to go and then transition them into Lightroom to do editing, mm -hmm. which again could cause duplication, could cause yep. just some yep. mismatch of files. So that's a, a good consideration. Now, if you're like mm -hmm. me and I, I don't really need to do a lot of extenuous editing in my photos, I'm pretty happy with, you know, what I can do in my basic photo app. I just leave them there and that's where I do my, my basic stuff. But yeah, if you want to do more, yep. uh, I think yep. you may want to consider kind of moving into that library ecosystem yeah. for that other application. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lightroom is, Lightroom is great. Again, it's, it's, um, uh... It, it will do a lot of what you want it to do. Plus it's got the ability to, to organize. Um, I noticed some others that I haven't used, haven't tested out yet, but like Capture One has gotten a lot of good reviews as another way of kind of doing some of the, you know, a lot of these now have filters built in, which is kind of nice. That became really popular with the Instagram world, right? Of saying, well, I just want it to look like this. I want it to look like an old timey photo or I want it to look like these things. And so it has these built in kind of presets. Um, a lot of those will have that and it make it super easy for you to kind of capture the, you know, what you were hoping to do on that, on that picture. The yeah. other side of the equation though, is when you're starting to get into a little bit of uh, creative media, Right. If you're someone who wants to creatively 
make things with your photos. Uh, like I said before, hey, I've got these two images that I would like. Uh, okay, I've got this image of a of a um, of a mountain, and I also have an image of the moon. And I'd like to actually put the moon right above the mountain, even though it wasn't there to begin with. That's where you're wanting to take a different level, probably something like Photoshop, right? Where you're actually going in and combining photos, pulling things out of a photo, changing the background of a photo. So it's not looking like it really did in the real world. You're, you're making it creative, right? You're being, you're, you're being artistic. Um, yeah. So if you're someone that works with digital media and you're wanting to create like logos and things that it's not about just showing a photo, it's about creating something that looks a particular way that may be more helpful. Blending photos together, adding text to photos, doing other things. That's where Photoshop really kind of uh, yeah. elevates the game. So again, that's the distinction there. People ask me all the time, what's the difference between Photoshop and Lightroom, yeah. for example? And you just described it. I mean, it really is. Lightroom is more photo management with some editing and enhancing tools. Photoshop is really all about true manipulation of photos yeah. and uh, integrating photos with other photos or other text or other media of some sort. So yep. yeah, yeah, agreed. Now, Grant, I'm, I'm sure there's Photoshop users out there or Lightroom users that kind of argue and say there's a lot more gray area. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and yeah, there is. But in the purest sense, yeah. Lightroom well, they're both is, closer to each other because they're both enhancing yeah. the the features. Right. I think here's here's the way I think about it. I'm really simplistic. If if what you care about is the photos that you took and making them look good. I think Lightroom does a great job at that. If you, however, are someone who says, here's what I want to create, right? So you're thinking on the other side is, here's what I want to create. Let me take tools, whether it's pictures, other objects and everything to create this idea I have in my head, like a logo, like a, um, uh, you know, a, a background that you want to use for a Maybe particular Maybe a montage company. of different photos. Yeah. You know, yeah. You've got an idea of what you want to create and you want to create it with other photos, then that's Photoshop. If you want to take your photo and make it look a certain way, then Lightroom can do a great job at that. They both can do versions of, of either of those, but that's kind of their main uh, purpose. Um, Alan, so if that's the basic idea, there are tons of these photo apps out there. A lot of them now are paid apps. There are some that are free. I'm going to mention one a little later that's free that, that has been really, really good for me. Um, but a lot of them, you are getting what you pay for. If you, you know, if you're not wanting to pay for something, you're going to have limitations or there's going to be quirkiness about the way that you organize your photos. So, you know, depending on how, how high level you want to get with this, you, uh, most of them have begun to subscription services. You know, I think Lightroom is a $9 a month now just for Lightroom to be able to use a certain amount of storage, uh, Photoshop's a little more than that. Um, so here's, here's my consideration. So if you're looking at what photo software to edit with first and foremost i think you know what kind of editing do you want to do are there certain things that you know you want to do like uh, do you just want filters well a lot of those have preset filters where i can go and say i got my picture let me just click through all the filters to see which makes it look the way i wanted it to look um, black and white high contrast tinted color you know whatever it may be yeah, yeah you've got the 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 old the old style make it look like an old 35 millimeter whatever so it's got all these filters that you can put on it um most of them will have that but that's kind of a entry level way of doing the the editing uh do you want it something that do, does what they call cutouts which i think is a much higher level which you say you know what there's a person over here i'd really like to remove that person 
because they're not part of what I was taking a picture of. You know, I'm at Grand Canyon and this random person's in my background. I want to get rid of them. That's a higher level because that's going to require you to point to that and then also it to come up with what should replace it, you know, which is something you didn't take to begin with. Um, You know, do you want to be able to, as I mentioned before, do you want to mess with parts of a picture rather than the whole picture? Do you want to brighten up only a certain part? You know, I have a picture that I've been working on recently of a, um, it's a water scene with a mountain behind it, but there's a number of canoes right in front. And I wanted to make it so that it's a black and white picture, but only one of the canoes is color to have it stand out. Well, that requires you to have some sort of spotlighting tool, some sort of brush tool, um, and not all of these things will do that. Your Photos app will not do that, um, but you, there are some photo editing apps that can do that. Um, you know, batch, uh, batch uh, dealing with pictures. You know, if you see the word batch, that's an important thing to say. I, I want to do this filter, but I want to do it on all my pictures. Let me just batch and you you know, change up the batch thing, right? Yeah. And for, for photographers, I think that's a big thing is that they normally know there's a certain way they want their pictures to look, a certain amount of contrast, a certain amount of brightness, a certain amount of this. And if you say, hey, I was taking these pictures with the same amount of light, these hundred pictures came from the same time of the day, let me do a batch editing on all of them. Let's push a button and they all do the same thing. That gives you a really good start on all your pictures. And um, I think a, a program like Lightroom will do more do batch editing where I think your more standard photos app is probably not as much. Correct. Yeah. A lot of, you know, there's some of them that have batch. If, if you see the word batch, it just means you can do the same thing for lots of photos at once, which I think is, is a very helpful thing. Um, another important thing for me, at least, is pay attention to how it handles your files. So if you have a separate app, let's say I have this, you know, new photo something app that I'm trying out and you need to figure out right away to say, okay, well, I'm going to point to my photo that I want to edit. What are you doing with that photo? Are you copying it and putting it in your own folder so that I can edit a copy of it, which may be a good thing, by the way, right? If you've got the, the, the original picture and I don't want to screw up the original picture and lose the raw elements to it. Oftentimes you want it to copy, you play with the copy so the original still stays the way it is in case you want to go and do something else in a different format. So find out how it's handling um, the files. Find out whether it's a per, per purchase or a subscription. You know, Alan, what are your what are your thoughts? What 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 is your thought at this point about when you're going to subscribe to something and when you're going to want to purchase yeah. something. Well, I'm a little different than, I'm a big fan of subscription software. Yeah. I, I love it, I, but I have to be able to justify it. And, you know, to me, if it's something, um, I do a little cost benefit analysis to say, look, if I was to buy this software outright, uh, how much would it cost me? And then, all right, if I did that on a monthly basis as a subscription, do I still feel like I'm getting the same value out of it in terms of use? And, uh, it really just comes down to how much I use it. Um, Again, I'm paying like 40 bucks a month for the whole creative cloud, but I use probably five applications on a regular basis. So Mm -hmm. it's totally worth it compared to spending hundreds of dollars every so often to have to get the newest version. So anyway, I like the subscription service. I like everything staying up to date and with the newest versions, but you know, you do have to weigh whether you're getting your value out of it or not. So yeah, um, yeah. I think, I think, I think you're exactly right. If if I treat it the same way as if I'm going to use it a lot and I know that I want the 
most up-to-date version. What I'm planning on doing may evolve over time. I'd rather have subscription. I would say one thing to to worry to to concern yourself with if you are thinking about a subscription, just realize that subscription model means you're going to get the most up-to-date version, but the most up-to-date versions are going to be bigger files as they go along. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're you're basically committing to something that is going to continue to grow in size. Every new update is probably going to be a bigger file and a bigger Thing so, and it may take more of your processor and all of that. So, if you're someone who is going to have a computer and you're going to stick with that same computer for a long time, be a little wary of buying into a subscription that's going to continue to up, update your apps that may an event eventually kind of, you know, not be compliant with what you're uh, what you're yeah. using. But I think a lot of the photo editing stuff, it's really good to have a subscription because you get access usually to cloud services, which is a great way to kind of back up those, use it everywhere. You know, cloud, I mean, Lightroom can be used in the cloud now, which means you don't necessarily have to have as big of an app on your your uh, computer to do it. Um, other things I think to keep in mind, can you can your software work with raw images? You know, only certain raw software files. will raw work with those files, raw yeah. files. Yeah. And we talked about with our DSLR uh, episode, how Shooting in RAW is a great way to kind of take your photography a little further because you're getting all of this information that you can then play with. Well, not all of these editors can deal with RAW files, so you need to make sure that if that's the way you want to shoot, that your your editor can can deal with it. Um, and, and just by curiosity, does yep. Photos for Mac, um, the photos, does it yep. work with RAW files? Yeah, it'll take a RAW file. Yeah, it'll take RAW files okay. in. Um and, so it's uh, safe to say that most modern photo management programs will take will manage will work with raw files. Yeah, I think, and especially anything you're paying for, right? Anything you're paying for will probably do that. There are some free ones out there I've noticed that look really great, but then I realize, ah, oh, they just they're not compatible with raw. So it may show it, right? You can, it's it may pull in the raw file, but it's going to automatically tweak it itself, make it a JPEG so that you can then deal with it in other ways. Work so with it on just, your computer and not right. be quite the bog down. Yeah. Right. Well, then, then exporting too. That's one yeah. thing I was going to mention, Brian, is exporting. Yep. It's a big, still a big thing for me. I know I mentioned earlier that it's nice not having to export files all the time. You can just go to your share buttons or share menus and share them. But there are still times I need to export those photos and yep. I want to get them out of the library into another copy that I can work with separately or I can put somewhere or I can upload to a website or I can, you know, do something else with. So knowing that I can export from programs is important for me. Again, most modern programs are very easy to go in and select the photos from your library and say, let's export these. And maybe they're at a quality level. Do I want the highest quality or do I want to compress the photos a little bit? And uh, what format to put them in JPEG, uh, PNG, whatever it may be. So it's still important to have in a program. If you feel like there may be a chance you'll use a photo outside of that, that management software, you need to make sure you can export it to the file format you need. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, I I was reading up on several of these um, uh, photo apps and I think there was one that I was looking at, maybe it was Luminar. I can't remember which one, but one of them said, you know, one of the downsides of this app is that if you use it as a management app and just want to export your photos the way they are, it'll put a watermark on every one of them unless you go and edit it. You know, if you're someone who's edited, which basically means, Hey, it's mine. I've used it, blah, blah, blah. Now I can edit it without it. So you just have to look into some of these of like, how am I going to use it? Am I, am I Mm -hmm. going to use this as a way of simply pulling in my photos, 
sending them out, exporting them, sharing with certain people, tweaking a few of them. You got to double check, you know, what your what your apps can do and uh, and uh, and how whether it's going to work in your workflow. Um, right. And some of them you might be way overshooting what you need, and you might be paying a lot more than what you really, yeah. you know, need to use. So. So Brian, if I'm, if I'm editing photos, if I'm really serious about wanting to get in and really work with my photos, really get very good with analyzing and editing my photos to make them look as good as possible, what is a, a, a tip you can share to me or any of our listeners about something, a tool or a feature you would use to really help with the editing and enhancing of any photo you work with? Um, teach me, Brian. Teach me, a great photographer. What, what should I be doing? I'm going to speak up here because this is the part I definitely want recorded where I'm helping you once again. Um, Well, the biggest thing that has helped me with my editing um, and then still my editing is still very rudimentary. I'm still learning uh, a lot of features with these, uh, uh, these uh, different software options. But one thing that has helped me and it is fairly common across all of the, the uh, editor software is the histogram. So the histogram feature. Yeah. So, and this is something that can be, if you have a DSLR, you can turn it on so that after you take the picture, your LCD screen on the back will show you the histogram of the file. This is something, if you pull it into photos within um, uh, the, uh, the Mac software, you could show the information and then do the editing to show your histogram. Your histogram, what it is, is a, it's a little graph that will show up and it typically is showing you the amount of light that you have pulled in from the three different colors, the, uh, the red, yellow, and blue, right? And with the, those three colors, it's going to show you like, okay, if it's, if it's high red on the, f- the right side of the screen, that means you highly exposed the reds. And if the blue is on you know, the left side of the screen, it means you underexpose the blue or you have a low, low amounts of light on the blue. I have a, I have a buddy who's a photography professor. And one of the things he, he showed me when he started showing how he was editing his photos was that the first thing he did was pull it up, pull up the histogram and he tweaked the photo in terms of brightness so that the histogram itself looked as much like a, uh, a central mountain in that graph as possible. Okay. Mm. So imagine you've got a a graph kind of like a, um, uh, going left to right from low to high, you've got, you know, different waves that are going across. What he says is what you want is you want to try to make your picture balanced. And the way to make it balanced is to make sure the lighting, uh, of all your different colors that you're bringing in is somewhat centralized and has kind of uh, is not overexposed and not underexposed. So tweaking your picture so that your histogram looks like a, center mountain on the histogram mm-hmm. as opposed to peaks on either side. Okay. Now, does that make sense, Alan? So yeah, like, yeah. A, like an inverted U, right? You want an inverted U here in the center of your picture, which would suggest that all of your colors are kind of being appropriately exposed. Now that's not the case for all pictures. Like if I'm taking a picture of a white object, well, I'm not going to see that center histogram, right? Because the blues aren't there and the, you know, the reds aren't there, right? But what you're doing is in a general thing, if I'm showing a landscape, I want to make sure that I'm not showing, you know, 
my histogram isn't all tilted to the left or all tilted to the right, which means that it's over underexposed. Um, so that's okay. one way. And you can tweak those, right? A lot of these apps will allow you not only to to show you what's happening as you're tweaking the the brightness and the contrast and all of that, but it also allows you sometimes to crop your histogram. So here's a thought, right? You go up to your histogram and in photos, I can actually drag and say, I'm going to crop this histogram so that I'm only seeing the center portions of this picture in the light of the picture. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it kind of takes out some of the extremes, you know, some of the uh, overexposed parts of your picture, uh, some of the things that might be taking over the rest of the uh, the image. So I think if nothing else, show your histogram, like have the feature so that you're seeing your histogram of your pictures and maybe even just looking through your pictures and seeing, wow, I love the way that picture looks. Look at the histogram and figure out why, you know, is it because, you know, you've got kind of this nice balance of colors uh, that's happening in the middle, or do you happen to like things that are more overexposed or underexposed? You know, you can start to, to recognize the histogram, what it's telling you. And, uh, and then, you know, if you're out in the field, if you're someone who's using a DSLR, you take the picture, you look immediately down at the histogram to know, ooh, that was underexposed. I need to retake that with a different setting, right? That's what's really, really helpful is that you don't want to get back later on and realize, oh, all of my pictures were underexposed and I didn't realize it because my LCD screen was so small in the back and then I was in a bright place and I couldn't see it. So uh, the histogram helps you understand the balance of your photo. So does that make wow, sense at all? Went, it does. You just went really deep on us, but you know, that's, that's what a deep dive is for. So that's, that's great. That's we're good. in the deep, deep, deep dive here, right? This is the last Man. dive. This so. is the last deep dive. So that's about the deepest we go. That's the deepest end of the pool we got to is examining histograms and our, our red, blue, green balance on our photos. Okay. So yeah, yeah great tip, Brian. Great. great job. <laughs> Somebody really wants to get into their photo editing. That's where you go right there. That's it. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're welcome. Brian, we kind of covered, I think, everything we wanted to talk about with this. I mean, we we talked about managing photos, kind of picking a a central hub location for your photos. We talked about kind of organizing your photos and what you can do, different platforms for organizing photos. Then you go into sharing them and different options for doing that. And then the editing. I want to really work with my photos and do something with them. Um, All those things, it's it is a great world. We can do it all on a computer and the stuff looks great. And we've got powerful computers that can manage really high resolution photos. And it's some really fun stuff to work with. It's just, uh, just kind of knowing your workflow, knowing how that photo is going to go from your camera to the end result of what you want to do with it and making sure you're not tripping over yourself with a lot of duplicates or, uh, you know, file formats and other things that just complicate uh, your process. So, yeah. 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 Cool. Well, are we ready to do our suggestions, Brian? Our brothers in tech suggestions for this episode? Yeah. This is where Brian and I both kind of bring up a, whether it's a website, a software, an app, a tool, a piece of equipment, whatever it may be. It's just something we want to suggest that ties into our our topic here today is something that we feel like might be worth checking out. Something either Brian and I want to recommend to you. So, Brian... You did the whole histogram thing and you, you got, you got a lot of information in on that. So how about I flip over and I'll do, I'll do uh, my suggestion first. I need, to, I need to, to rest a minute after that. You so need a rest. Ahead. You get some water kind of. 
warm back up your voice. You'll be ready here to go back in a second. So I'm going to go ahead and give my suggestion if that's okay. Um, and it it's a it's a software application that's really meant to solve one of the issues I mentioned earlier in the in the program, talking about duplicate files, duplicate photos very specifically. Um, this is not as much of an issue nowadays as it used to be, but when we first started really getting into digital photography, I was having the biggest problem with having duplicate copies of photos on my computer. Here's what would happen. I would hook up my camera to my computer and I would download the photos, uh, but I wouldn't delete them off my camera because I wanted to keep them for safekeeping for a little while longer. I go out, take some more photos. I hook them up again and I download and maybe I inadvertently download copies of the same ones I'd already downloaded before. So now I've got two in my, my photo library. Or maybe I export photos out of my photo library and I still have them on my computer. It's technically a duplicate copy of that, of that file still sitting around. There is a piece of app, a piece of software called Gemini. It's a Mac software, uh, Gemini, that's G-E-M-I-N-I, -I, like the Zodiac sign. And its whole purpose in life is to help you find and get rid of duplicate files on your computer. Now, this will work with any type of file. It's not just photos, but I think it's the most helpful when you look at photos because that's where, you know, uh, they're taking up so much space. They are big files in general. And if we can get rid of the duplicates, it not only keeps things a little cleaner, but we save some file, drive, uh, file uh, hard drive space as well. So it's made by a company called MacPaul. That's M-A-C-P-A-W. So you can go to MacPaul.com. Gemini 2 is the latest version. And it's basically a tool you run and it's going to scan your entire hard drive. It's going to look in your photo library and it's going to look outside of your photo library and find any situations where it found duplicate files. And it is doing a lot of scanning and checking. It's not just saying it's a duplicate file because it has the same file name. It's really looking at the content of the file to make sure that it's not going to flag two files that you shouldn't delete. You may find that there's a lot of photos in your photo library with the exact same file name but they're different photos because you just took them at different times and the naming system was different at the time. So it's really important to have a tool to help you manage that. So I, I like it. It's a great software tool. I run it every so often just to make sure I'm keeping things clean. And plus I just like a photo library that, you know, I'm scanning through and things, you know, I'm not seeing duplicates of the same photo and everything's just really nice and organized and Gemini helps me do that. So that is the, that is my brother's in tech suggestion, my bit for this episode. Yeah, that's great. Seems like that would be incredibly helpful. So Alan, uh, does Gemini, so if I had two photos that happen to be the same photo titled differently, it will recognize that, right? Yeah. So basically, it, yeah, it, it, it is smart enough to say, look, uh, sometimes I know we take photos like in a burst mode or we take them where it like takes one right after another of the exact same thing. It's yep. just multiple versions. It is going to flag those because it okay. sees, I guess it's looking at histogram and it's looking yep. at all the raw data of the file. And it's saying, look, I think these are duplicates. Do you want to get rid of all the rest of them? Yeah. Now you can have it do a, a guided process where you say, look, don't just automatically delete the duplicates. Let me see them, yep. spot them for me. So Make I can sure. say, oh yeah, that's definitely a duplicate. Get rid of that one. Um, oh no, no, no. Don't get rid of this. I like the one that, all the families in the photo. And I like this other version of it that we took at the same time where everybody's eyes are maybe yeah. doing some funnier things. The program may think that's a duplicate, but you may not want to delete that. So it is important to kind of go through the process with it, let it flag you all the duplicates and you can decide what you want to delete. 
And as I mentioned, it's not just photos. It'll do it for other files on your computer too. Text documents, uh, office documents, music files, all those things too. Yeah. So it's really good. I I think it's great. It it does come with the setup application subscription, which, uh, you know, Brian and I have mentioned we're both big fans of. But if you did want to buy it, there is a free download version, but I think it only scans up to a certain amount of, of files. Uh, it's $20. So it's a little pricier than some of your normal uh, apps, utility apps right now. But, um, you know, if you find yourself using it a few times a year to kind of do some cleanup and you're pretty adamant about keeping a clean organization of your files, especially photos, I think it's worth, well worth the 20 bucks or get a set app application or a membership for $10 a month. And, you know, you, 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 you pay for it within a couple months. So can we, can we just take this opportunity again to talk about how great setup has been? Um, so we need to make them a, yeah, we need to make them a sponsor because they. Setup is so great. Uh, I mean, it really is. And again, we talked about subscription <laughs> applications before, but I mean, right now there are, there are at least six applications I use yeah. on a pretty regular basis there. And I pay nine ninety five a month for them. Yeah, it's well worth um, it for me. Even like this, Gemini. I use Gemini maybe three or four times a year. Not not terribly often, but just every few few months I may run it. But, you know, I'm spending, what, $120 a year for all these applications. Getting Gemini by itself would have been 20 bucks, just one application. Yep. Yep. And so you do the math and it really starts to work out. So Yeah, yeah, that's great. Cool. Oh, well, good. What you got um, first, Brian? So I wanted to... to try to draw attention to a free photos, uh, photo editing app, uh, that I've been using. Um, and I, and I will say it's, it's pretty, pretty good, obviously not as, not as powerful as something like Lightroom, which you're paying for, but, um, there's an app called Photoscape X, or I don't know if that's supposed to stand for 10, but Photoscape, uh, X is the, uh, the app and it is for Mac and windows, um, which is great. <clears throat> and um, the nice part about this uh, this software is that it will do a lot of these really cool things we talked about before, dealing with batch uh, batch editing. Um, it's got the ability to do some cutouts where you can actually, you know, go and erase certain parts of the image. Um, you know, and it's not fantastic at that, but it's it's good enough, right, to be able to pull some things out. Obviously, do uh, it's got a, a lot of filters which I think is kind of nice. So if you're someone, whether you're someone that's just wants a very easy way to clean up your photos or wanting to go more detail, I think this is a pretty good one to be able to use. Um, mm-hmm. I like it's uh, black and white photos. So our, um, at uh, filters that you can go and say, well, change it to black and white, but change it to this version of black and white. And there's lots of different ones of those, which makes it uh, look incredibly uh, unique. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so Photoscape X, uh, I've used it for a number of photos. Uh, I used it to do what I was talking about earlier, the the picture where I wanted only one canoe to be in color and everything else to be mm. black and white. Yeah, um, and that. had the to do that. Yeah, where you know, it's wow. not as easy as Lightroom was able to do it, but to be able to go in and kind of do a little drawing tool and you're just kind of coloring over the the part of the image that you want to tweak and then once you've selected it uh you go and tell it to uh to change the the color of that particular section so uh yeah it's it's incredibly cool now what i don't remember off the top of my head because i haven't used it in the last couple weeks 
was how it organizes the files. I can't remember if this one will copy your files that you point it to and then do a new version of those within its own kind of folder or whether it is editing them directly from the location you're going. I mean, if you're well, if you're adding that, I would say just duplicate your files before you start editing them. It's helpful to you. Well, it looks like um, it looks like on the the web page talking about the description there is a it basically allows you to go from your photos app on your Mac and it gives you the ability to add a edit with Photoscape kind oh, okay. of uh, plugin. So in other words, you can, you can have everything in your photo library on your Mac, but then say, I want to edit it with this Photoscape application. So it's going to let you edit it and that would save it back to your library when you make the edit. So uh, it's kind of a nice round trip. It can kind of work with your photos library automatically. So it's almost like giving you just enhanced versions of the editing features of photos yeah. uh, to bring it back in. So, so I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I've only used it for a few photos that I had a very specific thing that I wanted to try to do that I was, I did not have access to Photoshop and at the time was not using light uh, Lightroom. So uh, it allowed me to do what I needed to do and, and did a decent job with that. Uh, it also, when I think one of the things I think is really helpful is that make sure your photo editing app has either a button or a slider to be able to switch back to the original so that you can mm -hmm. see very quickly what did the original look like and what did the new version because <clears throat> i think that's one of the problems is you you get in and you start tweaking with all the the sliders and then afterwards you're like oh this looks really good but you kind of forgot what it was that you had to begin with and it might have been better or might have been um, well my biggest thing is i go back and look and i'm like oh actually the original was better so exactly. I, I can't believe I, I can't believe i did that so, so having a little button which this one does you just kind of click the button and as you hold the button down it shows you the original and you unclick it and sure enough it shows you what you're doing now so you can say ah you know what delete all this i did i didn't like <laughs> this Forget everything I just did and just go back yeah. to the original. Yeah. So yeah, Photoscape X uh, or Photoscape 10. I don't know which one it is, but. Um, Photoscape X. And then my suggestion was Gemini, which is the latest version is Gemini 2. So uh, that's our brothers in tech suggestions for this episode. Well, Brian, we went a little deeper and a little longer than normal um, with this deep dive. Um, shocker. We went long? What? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know that doesn't normally happen, but uh, we are clocking in a pretty long episode here. We've been talking a lot about photos. There's a lot to talk about, a lot yeah, of things we could, we could get into, a lot more we could probably still do as well. So knowing that and knowing if people have follow-up questions, or they want to talk further about some of the things we addressed in this episode, how would they go about talking to us about photo management? Yeah, well... I think it's, a, it's sending us an email is the, the best way to go. Uh, info at the mesh.tv is the address. Uh, you can send it to uh, send it to that email address and tell, a, tell us what you like about our episode, what you didn't like, what you would, uh, maybe if you have your own uh, photo sequence that you, uh, you'd like to use or another app that you think would be uh, good for us to check out. Uh, also, we'd love to hear with you hear what future episodes you would like us to uh, topics you'd like us to touch on. So, if you've got something uh, that you think would make a great um, series of episodes for us, uh, let us know. Give us some some heads up about what you'd like to hear, and uh, give us some directions. So that's info, i n f o at themesh tv. All right, very cool. Good deal. Well, and again, we are here on the Mesh Podcast Network. The Mesh.tv is the website. 
You can go and listen to back episodes of this show. You can subscribe to make sure you get all future episodes coming up and also check out some other podcasts on the network. Again, podcasting is all free and available to the public. We just, uh, we would ask if you are uh, enjoying what you're listening to, give us some ratings and feedback, or as Brian mentioned, any way you want to reach out and contact us, we would love to hear from you. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this week's show. Uh, Brian, I think next time we get back together, we're going to have a completely new topic to get into. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Um, so it's time to... Do we want to tell what the topic is? Do we want to tease them? Let yeah, them know? Let's, let's tease them. So we're, we're looking, yeah. we're going from photography to video. Is that right? Yeah. We're going to talk video. So shooting and, and dealing with uh, video uh, on your computers, on your mobile devices, all those different technology. You know, we covered photograph and, you know, you may think, well, video, video and photos are pretty similar, uh, but there are some differences, some things we're going to talk about, some things to know about if you are somebody who wants to do more with video, uh, shooting video and working with video on your computer devices. That's what we're going to talk about in the next episode. So yeah. looking forward to that. So we get to switch, Brian, because you, you've been the photo guy. <clears throat> video is my game. I'm going to talk video a lot more. So we're going to have some fun with that. The student will become the teacher. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, technically teacher became, you know, that's already been flipped around a couple of times already yeah, okay. in the, in, in the uh, duration of the show here. So, all right, everybody, thanks so much for listening to Brothers in Tech, or we hope we were helpful to some degree, and we'd hope to talk to you again at our next episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.